What's up, everybody? Heat Ratio Live. Tony Dix, Alcantillo, Mikey Goose back in the house. Uh, been a while, Mike. I'll talk about all kinds of things tonight. Filled out your sports topics, little normal topics, things that annoy us here and there, like we always do. And we're getting a little music, little 28th anniversary release date today for our boys, the hits from the bomb boys. So we'll get to that a little later. But first of all, Goose, it's been like two months since we've been live last week. Farzetta, by the way, says, yo, thanks for going on vacation. Leave your boy hanging solo last week. But yeah, sorry about that, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted to say what's up, but Mike, what's going on, buddy? Well, you know, just um digging down and just trying to get some uh R and R time in, you know, a little little uh little vacation time, a little time away from uh from everything, you know, to reflect on the amazing shape of the Philadelphia sports scene, you know, all the wonderful things that we have to look forward to. That's a, that, that, yeah. That's 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 going to be right where we go with that. The wonderful thing we got to look forward to because, you know, before I get into my quirky segments like we always do, oh. is because last week you missed a good one. I heard that's how you missed yeah, a really good one. Yeah, and uh, you, you missed the CVS stories because um, I, I was asking a question of why does the CVS stores decide? Now let let me let me phrase it this way first, Mike. Do you know what the busiest aisle is in some cvs stores do you know the answer to this question yes absolutely the busiest aisle right if it's in an aisle it's not in an aisle at every store but the the busiest aisle is a prescription aisle right it's where you're, you know, you're lining up to, to get your prescriptions now my question to everybody was from a marketing standpoint you do okay. some marketing work mike i do some marketing work okay so as a marketing guy, why would you decide to put the sexual intimate products down the same aisle of the prescriptions? Now, listen, I I, I get what everybody's busy with, but my point was I'm in line and I'm awkward because I'm listening to the kid behind me asking mommy what's a magnum. And I'm just trying to get my blood pressure medicine. Like, <laughs> right. So at the end of the day, I just think piss. Poor marketing on the standpoint of CVS, okay. right? That, that 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 was that was a point. But this week, this hold week, on, before we on. get to the court, go ahead. What's up? I, I got something to add to that. Yeah, I might enlighten you here a little bit on this. Okay. So I did, you know, as a uh, as a youth, I spent some time in retail. Okay, and we used to have to put these things together called planograms. Okay, so I worked in retail for a few years. So what a planogram is? It's a diagram that's sent down by the corporate office. And it basically tells you how to align the shelf and what to put on the shelf. Okay. So, you know, the stuff that you see in retail stores, it's not just placed there randomly. It's all been thought out and calculated based upon the gross profit of the item. So what they do is they have you put the really high gross profit or gross margin. They would say high GM items next to high trafficked areas. So you ever notice when you're checking out at the register, you go through Acme, you're going through Pathmark, wherever the hell you go, okay? You go through the lines and you see all the magazines, you see the candy, the gum, you see the shit that the kids grab, you know, let me have this, the toys, the dumb shit, right? All right, that's all placed there for a reason. Why? Because it's sky high profit. Now, I'm going to imagine, okay, outside of the marketing and outside of the point that you brought up, which is discretion, those are discretion-based products. They shouldn't be standing there. And especially, you know what? Let me get into this a little bit more because the area where you pick up your prescription 
there's always like, you know, three inches and they got 200 people jammed into this small little area and they have two little chairs that you always see some people waiting. They can't, you know, some elderly people that perhaps maybe they have some trouble and they want to sit down or whatever. But the waiting area and the whole logistic flow of that is complete crap. It's not even well thought out because if it was, they would give you more room. But I would suspect that the reason why that they put those products there is because they're sky high in profit and they want a lot of people to look at them and grab them. But it kind of defeats the purpose because those are the kind those are the kind of products that you want to grab without anybody seeing what you're doing, right? It, the discreet factor of it, right? And it just it, listen. So you're right. Again, I, I'm sure that's why they do it. But I, I agree with you. It's 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 very it's piss poor marketing. It's piss poor. Yeah, they should have thought that one out better. You have to. You got you got to do better, man. And I know they're all not the same way, but you got to do better, right? You got to do better. But 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 before we get on to the quirkiness again, because I got another like like it's the Jigsaw Diaries are alive and well. Okay, the Jigsaw Diaries are. I alive can see. And well. I can see that. Yeah, so so let's let let's talk Philadelphia sports real fast because sure th th this was just a generalization, like just to, what the hell's happened to us we over the last that. three years? We don't do that here. We don't generalize. <laughs> no, never, never. We're we're not biased. We don't generalize. But what the hell happened in three years? And, and what I mean by that is, you know, we had every single thing going for us we were on this show we had a franchise quarterback in carson wentz we finally had a goalie in carter hart we had we just signed bryce harper to a 13-year deal right unbelievable we got joel and b to ben simmons we're gonna rule the world in philadelphia now all of a sudden this year we got question marks the sixers kick ben simmons the hell out of here right Wentz is gone because he's, he's a mental midget and can't play in this town, right? And Car we don't even know if Carter Hart is the guy we thought he was going to be. And right now the Phillies are in, you know, kind of mired in me mediocrity. I mean, yeah, they have a chance to win at LAEs, but but right now the, it, it's just not working out the way we thought it was going to be. So did did you think we'd ever get to this point three years ago? I totally agree with you. I mean, we were on a high streak, right? And I mean, there was so much potential. When you think about the potential of all the teams, it was all there. And we all felt pretty good to be in, in the Philadelphia sports area, right? We felt really good because we had everybody was clicking. Not, I wouldn't say on every cylinder, but a lot of cylinders. And there was a lot to look forward to. And then it just seemed like all of a sudden, everything just kind of crashed again. You know, and you know me, I mean, I, I'm trying not to be cynical, trying not to be, you know, the negative sports fan. But it's really, really difficult because when you look at each team and you look at all of the issues that are surrounding them, you just scratch your head. Like, how could you explain? How could you explain Carter Hart? How could you explain the incident with Ben Simmons? How could you explain Peterson being regarded as one of the top five coaches to play for based on his new breed? of emotional intelligence and analytics and all these words that we've been fed is the new way the NFL is going to be. And Peterson's there. He wins a Super Bowl without Carson Wentz because he wasn't healthy, but Carson had that amazing year. So we all jumped on thinking that Carson was going to, you know, just basically pick up where Nick Foles left off. I mean, how high were all of our hopes across the board for all teams? I mean, when we, we signed Bryce Harper, I felt like it was, um, when we signed Cliff Lee or, you know, when we signed, uh, you know, who's that Hunter Pence? Remember all the hype when we signed oh. Hunter Pence? We were just like, everybody was like, damn, we're the Yankees. We just write checks now. And we buy talent and we already have this nucleus. It just felt really good to be a sports fan. And then it all just fell apart. I mean, can we trace it back to anything? No, because each one of these 
challenges with each team have individual incidents that are tied to them. So, and they're all different and they're, and they're all as equally as bizarre as the next one. So it's really hard, but it, it, you know, you can see why. And, and during times like these, you know, with the pandemic and with, with everybody really wanting to hold on to something, you know, you just, it's very hard to be cynical and to be a positive Philadelphia sports fan with all of this going on. It really is. And the, the, the NBA playoffs and that thing with Simmons, that just, that just, that was the icing on a cake, man. You can't do that. You can't do that in Philadelphia. You just can't. And he did, and he just doesn't care. No. He doesn't care. He, I mean, I said, how long have I been trashing this guy? Not trashing him, but just, I just didn't, I just saw through this dude. He cares more about Instagram, man. He cares more about everything nope. else that he cares about the, the profession that he's in. And I know, bro, I never shot a basketball professionally, not even semi-professionally. As a matter of fact, nobody picked me to be on their basketball team. I was the worst coordinated person ever. I don't know what it's like to play any kind of organized sports. I was the absolute worst athlete and still am. Okay. <laughs> Let me just, this is that for a disclaimer. So I don't know anything about what I'm talking about, but what I do know is the city of Philadelphia. And I just feel like that, you know, for a guy, a max guy like that. Okay. To just sort of give up on the team, just to just show all this, you know, this, uh, this, this lackadaisical attitude and, and not care because if he cared, man, He'd be in the gym and he'd fix his free throw. You know, he, he, he just doesn't want to go to the line because he, he's afraid he's going to miss a free throw, dude. It's just, I feel bad for the guy in a way. I mean, it just he just isn't there, man. It's easy to throw bombs at the guy, but something not, is not right upstairs. It's the definitely process, mental. It, it has to be. It's definitely mental because we know we know the physical ability he already has, right? We already know that he wouldn't be he wouldn't be where he's at right now, right? You know, if it, you know if if that wasn't the case, right? But what I will say though is, Mike, you said it. I mean, we've been on we've been on this the entire time. This is nothing new. I'm not going to get crazy about it because it's what I already knew. Like Ben Simmons is not a Philadelphia guy. He's not made for this town. Right, he is an LA kind of guy. Been saying it for years. Right, that's what he is. He wants to go. He wants to relax. And then, listen, you do whatever you want with your personal life. Right, I. I it is what it is. But when you're sitting there and you're getting ready for an elimination game, and ten minutes before the game, you're you're sliding girls DMs on Twitter and on Instagram, setting up your night. Well, where's your mindset, bro? Like, I'm just saying, like, I, I'm just calling that out because at the end of the day, yes, we're all human beings. I understand that. But the job at hand that you're getting paid for is go win a basketball game. You could do all that extracurricular stuff later. Ten minutes for a game? So that right there, there's your mindset. Say what you want, but there's your mindset. And that's a problem. It's a good point. It's a solid point. And it, when you look at the ones that are good, obviously Ben Simmons says a lot about his game that makes him very attractive, right? Um, but when you look at the ones that are great, the ones that win championships are the ones that are just persistent. They don't leave the gym. They take everything first. The game is first. Their work is first. You know, and I guess when you have a bunch of players that are like, you know, like, and we've talked about this before, but they've they're been at the top of their game since, you know, grade school, middle school, or whatever, and have been the best players in high school. They've been the best players on their college teams, and you get together, and it's the best of the best. Well, what separates the best from the best? The ones that that win the championships, the ones that go far, the you know the ones that put their team on their backs, for lack of a better phrase, they just seem to do a lot of the extra stuff consistently, and he doesn't do any of that. And you know, 
the rumors, who knows if we're true, because, you know, usually when something goes bad, these stories or these rumors just seem to pop out of anywhere. So trust me, with, I believe this stuff with grain of salt, but the rumors are that he's uncoachable, that he doesn't work. I mean, dude, come on, man. I mean, when you see the guy shoot a free throw, you know, he's not practicing, you know, he isn't because it just doesn't look like that. He is. It just looks like he, I, I don't think that he wants to be in that situation, but he just avoids he will not get into confrontation and go to the line, which is his strong suit because he can't hit an outside shot. So if you don't do that and you don't shoot, what? why is this guy a max? D, what is he even? It's just so bizarre, man. You, 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 can find, you, can see your, you can just talk yourself into, into the crazy house by trying to diagnose this. You know, you want to go further? You want to go further? Is the process cursed? Tanking all them games? Is this karma? You want to go there? It might be. It seems like it really, really is because, you know, between the, the whole Jason Tatum thing and Danny Ainge and getting fleeced for faults and, 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 and now, you know, Simmons with this meltdown, I mean, I get it. We're probably maybe a couple players away, but dude, how long is the process going to go on? How, how much, how much can the fans process? Wow. How, about, how about that? How much yep, have we yep. processed all those horrible seasons of losing constantly? We we've been through a lot, man. I don't know. What's up, Al? Al checking in. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I know Al so strong on his feelings as well. Maybe Al it's has good. the answer. What's what up, is it's tough, man? We're sitting here and we get to watch the Milwaukee Bucks, who I, I still feel are an inferior team compared to what we had. And we're we're watching them right now on the brinks of you know closing out the Suns, man. Like yeah. I, it's tough, man. It's really tough. You and, and, and you you brought up a good point, Mike. It's like you know when when do we just say enough is enough. When, when did we finally say, I just can't do this anymore. Like I, you know, you, you see that so many times, whether it be through, you know, your employment, whether it be through life, whether it be extracurricular activity, you give all you can, man, you go all in. throw all the cards in. And if you keep getting smacked away, time after time, after time, after time, finally just go, I'm done. I'm ass out. Like I've had enough. Right. So I think sometimes, you know, that's what happens. And the fans feel the same way. You know, you can only keep the interest level in a fan base for so long, you know, in a sense, especially in Philadelphia. We, we are obviously misunderstood. I'll say it a hundred times. I can't believe I was on a show again a couple of weeks ago and they brought up the St. Claus thing. I want to hang up. Like, seriously, I just want to hang up. It's a new story. But yeah, get, get over it now. Get over it. It's old. Okay. Nobody, how about we talk about, you know, what's going on like in Washington? We got to shut the stadium down because there's people shooting outside of the stadium. How about we talk about San Diego and LA who has fights in the 600 level every single day? People get stabbed and shanked. Nobody's talking about that because Never. it's not good press. Never. Right? It's too it, easy it, to right. kick Philadelphia. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not easy. good press. It's not good press. Nick checking it says, Nicky Nuts, Simmons needs to go. Nicky Nuts, yo, Nicky Nuts, the Flyers made a good trade, but uh, I won't even talk about that. I know nothing about who Ryan Ellis is, but I know that's a good trade because I know my man Nicky Nuts is all over. Flyer nice. Trevor checking in. Trevor was getting pictures of Fenway Park, man. Oh, I no need we need to live Trevor's life a little bit, man. I, you know I, I mean, think that's a, I think that's a good idea. That's what I'm saying. That's what we got to go. But let me ask you this. Do you really think, Mike, and, and again, listen, here, here's what I will say. You know, me, Googs, I don't say we're an expert analyst, NBA insider. I hope nobody right? says that about me. No, no like we're not, right? So we're just feeding off what other people write and what other right. people talk about, right? But here's the question. 
Do you really think there's a chance for Dane time in Philly? Do you really think there's this? Because I honestly think there is. I, I think this is one of those deals where we never thought we'd get Tower Owens. And we did. And I remember, Mike, we were sitting there together oh, yeah. listening to it when it oh, got yeah. announced. We couldn't oh, believe yeah. it, right? Couldn't believe it. So I think that right now, I think this could really happen. And let me ask you this, Mike. Number one, do you think it could happen? Number two, if it does happen with the amount of luster that this guy's going to bring, do you think it's going to have the same or if, or a bigger effect than when T.O. came here? Or do you think it'll be still T.O. probably the best all-season acquisition ever in this town. Well, again, the cynical, the cynical Michael come out, and I'll say that um, because we want it to happen so bad, you know, the universe is going to find a way to jam us up, and it's not going to happen. <laughs> he'll go sign with the Knicks or something. Now, I'm sure everybody's thinking that way. I didn't think we would get T.O. I didn't think we'd get Ricky Waters back in the day. Wow, that's the Ricky Waters signing to me was so big because – um, I remember thinking, because who, dude, nobody came to the Eagles. Nobody wanted to play at the vet because they didn't want to blow their knees out because the turf was like running on, you know, razors and hot coals. So nobody wanted to do that. We never got any type of free agents to come to Philly. We would lose free agents all the time. So I remember when Ricky Waters came, I was like super, super excited for that. Um, and then when T.O. came, obviously we couldn't believe it. We couldn't believe when T.O. came and we were super pumped up. And yeah, man, that was a moment that you and I got to share together. We were freaking out when that happened. Yep. Um, do I think it could be that big? Probably not. And the reason why is because, you know, this is a football town. I just think a football free agent would just carry more weight than the Sixers. All right. That's what I think personally. But it would be big. I mean, it would be big. I mean, Bryce Harper probably should have been bigger than T.O. And it was big, but it wasn't as big as T.O. T.O. was T.O. And that was just the end of it. And maybe it has more luster on it because he took us to, uh, you know, we rode him to the Super Bowl. You know, maybe there's that whole thing there. Um, but I think it's, I think it'll be very big. You know, obviously people will be, people will be pretty fired up and it'll, it'll completely clear any of the, you know, the old uh, process, any of the mistakes that were made, anything. People will just forget about all that because, you know, now you have, uh, you know, now you have Lillard and, and that really opens up a lot of possibilities, you know, and I just read a report. I was reading it yesterday saying that he he wants to be traded to the Sixers and, and either to the Sixers or to the Knicks. So, hey, man, uh, a 50 50 shot to get him is a lot bigger than what I had thought. If you would ask me a couple of weeks ago when they were talking about uh, who's that other. No, he's not a stiff, but McCallum. Uh, he's, not McCall? yeah, yeah, he's, not, he's, he's not a stiff, but I didn't I, I would I wanted, wanted Lillard obviously more than him. And I would was, take I would take CJ McCollum. Uh, well, I, I think most I think you would and I would. And, and, you know, the majority of the Philadelphia sports fans would probably take a bottle of water for for Ben Simmons at this point because we're so frustrated with him. But that's what it is. It's frustration. It's just frustration. Right? It, it yeah. is. It, 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 it's so much frustration. And why do we why? Why is he a mental project? What's up with the projects? Like, why do we always have to get a pro what full project? Y'all. Danny Watkins is big, but he's a project. Why? Who drafts projects? Do they? Sean do, Andrews. Sean Andrews. He's a project. You know, you're, you're drafting high pl players that are high up in the first round, and they're projects. Why are they projects? Why do we take the projects? And if we've ever, ever had a successful project, how about that for a topic? What project have we drafted that <laughs> we turned into what they were supposed to be? Who? The projects I, never work out. No. 
No, they don't. They don't work out. They don't. Why do and we you- have to do it? I mean, if we were a team, let's say, for instance, there's certain teams that are great at certain things. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers are amazing at drafting wide receivers that are deep in the draft because they find value. Whatever data model that they're using proves that they get this great value of wide receivers. They're a wide receiver factory. They're great. Why are we the project factory? We, we're, we're the project factory, and the projects never turn out to what they're supposed to be. So what are we doing? Wasting the time. It's all the time, man. It is. It's so nauseating. It is. It's just like every time, like, come on, man. Like, I don't understand. Like, don't they, don't they have interviews with these cats? Like before, like, I'm not understanding. Like, and you know what it is? I'm like, it's complete disconnect. It's complete disconnect. You you're disconnected from the city, you know, that, that you manage a team in. That's what it is. You 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 already know the media platform that you possess. You already know the the bias that you possess when it comes to a fan base. You have to understand. You need a guy that can deal with that. That's 100%. a great point, right? I mean, you got another. You mentioned Andre Dillard. Andre Dillard crying on the sideline because he can't figure out a play. Like no disrespect, man, but come on. Like are we? Like this isn't pee wee football. <laughs> like I, like what? Where? Why us? Why us? Why us? It's great. It's great. We should get a t-shirt. Why us? But so <laughs> let me, you brought up an interesting point. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that they don't look at maybe a holistic approach to their models? Because maybe when they're looking at the models they are like, damn, this guy on paper, he's going to be great. But maybe that other side says, ah, this is a Philly town, man. We've seen him melt down. He's not, he's not all there. the, the, the the reporters and the media will eat him up. Maybe it's not a good idea that he plays here. Do you think that they take those things under consideration? Because based on what you said, they don't. And based on what their actions look like, the people that they've drafted, it doesn't seem like they do. Sure seems like they don't. I, I'm sure they just they just do strictly town evaluation. But, you know, for years, though, I mean, Andy Reid in this town and Joe Bannon, all we heard was high-character guys, right? We want high-character guys. That was it. I mean, seriously, Chip, Chip Kelly. Okay, I'm going to put a Chip Kelly reference. Didn't he say what? What uh, scheme trumps town or some or 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 uh, at culture? Culture trumps scheme or I forget it's, it's something like that. But scheme was involved. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if it was character, but I think he I think he said scheme. So because it was when he traded Shady for that stiff Kiko Alonso, and everybody was like, "Wait a minute." What are you kidding me? He was a Hall of Fame running back for Kiko Alonso. You know, there were there were some unsubstantiated other reports about Shady. Who knows if they're true or not? But well, yes. I mean, the Eagles could leak that crap. We don't know. Look, like you don't don't know, Jojo. He gets it, Jojo. Listen, I said this last week, and I'll say it again. And, And Nick, it's a good point because two different kind of players, right? You watch Ben Simmons, and again, you do whatever you want, your extracurricular activities and, and, and your personal life. I get it. But a week afterwards, he's out there hugged up and kissing some girl on Wimbledon, right? Joel Embiid has still got his head down, still hurt by why they lost because he gets it. He feels it, right? He lives it because he knows I am the guy. 
I'm the franchise. They're looking at me, man. They're looking at me. So that, that that's that's the biggest difference. I, listen, I, I don't want to talk about Ben Simmons no more, but th- doing it enough, the dude's getting too much airplay for me for the wrong reasons right now, and I, I just had it. Let, let's move on. We'll figure out what happens next year, but one thing's for sure, he is not going to be in the Sixers uniform. I can tell you that right now. There's no way. But, Mike, you said one thing I want to ask you about. It's actually one of our topics tonight. But, you know, you talked about when we were talking about the the the, the era of Philly sports, the state of it right now as it was three years ago. But could you actually say that because me and you were both not on the Doug Peterson train. Well, we, we always were not on that train. We, I, you know, listen, I tip my hat when he won. Obviously, how do you not? We went on a train. But can the biggest positive? about this team moving forward be the removal of Doug and Carson together because I felt like that was just a, a poisoned relationship and it just that the locker room was just completely distraught by these two and what was going on. So do you think that could be actually the biggest positive move forward for the Eagles? I, I think that they didn't really have a choice. And in order to get everybody sort of back on board and clean the slate, Lurie and everybody in the front office wanted to move on. So I think we have to look at it as a positive. Um, but I would be pretty surprised if there were that many uh, Peterson fans left over. You know, I'm, I just think everybody sort of kicked Peterson on the way out the door. You know, it's so funny because after he won the Super Bowl, he was like the greatest thing since sliced bread. But before that, he was a complete dope. Everybody thought he was a dope. They crushed <sighs> Peterson constantly, me included. So I wasn't me a big too. Peterson fan. But then when, when he had success and he won, we were all thinking – you know, maybe this new way of emotional intelligence and listening to the analytics guys and going forward constantly on fourth down and, um, you know, just being more of a uh, a humanist, a person, a, a person type of coach and manager, because that's what he was. He was a player's yeah. coach. You know, he was just, he built a lot of one-on-one relationships and he got more out of their players by trusting them to do their jobs and not just, you know, hammering them like Bill Belichick and treating them like children. So there was something to say for that. And that new coaching wave, a lot of it was mel- was was modeled after Peterson. So remember, everybody was on Peterson. After he had won the Super Bowl, everybody wanted to play for Peterson. Remember, some of the some of the players from the Patriots were even saying, you know, it looks like a fun team to play for. We're not constantly worried about our jobs or being punished for when we make mistakes. Everybody wanted to play with Peterson. Oh, yeah. Then, man, it only took two years or a season and a half, and then that was it. You know, everybody sort of just turned their back on him and was finished with him, including me, because of some of the boneheaded stuff that he did. And then there was all those reports. Again, who knows what to believe, but all those reports coming out saying that he was micromanaged in every aspect of the game. Everything that he did, he was called up to Howie Roseman's office. And Howie Roseman said, you know, it was a second and three. Why did you call a cross pass when you should have ran the ball? Analytics said we should have ran the ball. We have a 66% chance of converting that into a first... That Those were the reports that came out that saying that he was scrutinized and he couldn't do anything. And he was just a proxy. So is it positive that he's not there or, you know, or did they just get another yes man because nobody was even considering hiring Seriani and they brought him in and did they just have another yes man? Because it, it clearly looks like, mm. you know, give a little shout out to coach Dave who had said that he thought Lurie was meddling in and yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, that, you don't even have to say anything right there. You know, I mean, that's just a sad always, state of affairs. No, we can, that, that, dude, for years, we could just go right back to this picture. Yeah, anytime right you just have a question about anything or, you know, just show that. Um, yeah, but, cool. Or show Press Tower, the other genius that was in the, uh, up in the Eagles front. Yeah, there he goes. My man. I wonder what he's doing now. I'm sure he has a job somewhere in the NFL. 
He probably does. He yeah, probably sure. does. He has a job somewhere. He's yeah, the he's, magnet guy for the whiteboard. He changes the magnets yeah. around every day. He's great, this guy. Look at that guy. Anyway, um, so look, I don't I don't know. I, I just think that it's just going to be more of the same. You know, and, and uh, they got a less, yeah, exactly, Andre. They got a less expensive yes man. Now, look, his attitude's been great. Everybody says it's great. Um, there's a lot of positivity about him. So, I mean, can the biggest positives by, be removed by, for Carson Wentz for sure? And there's still a lot of people that still defend Wentz up until this day. But it's a clean slate. And I think that because of their schedule and because they have a lot of good young players, um, I think that there's a possibility that they could do okay this year. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that they're going to go and win 10 games or 11 games, but I think they're going to, they could be better than what we initially thought, or at least what we initially think that they could do. They could surprise us. You know, a lot of things can happen right now. It's just, it's a, it's, you're starting completely down at the bottom with a good little foundation and some good young players that might be eager to make a player too. So anything can happen, but I, I would say yes, Tony, I would say it's, it's definitely positive going forward and it's something to look forward to. You're not dealing with the same old stuff because if it was yep. Peterson and if it was, if Wentz was still there, we'd be pretty bad. I would say. Yeah. That. Yeah. Listen, it was pretty poisonous there for a while, man. You could definitely tell, you know, when a locker room is distraught, you know, when you lose a locker room, we all, we, we already knew that, right? We've seen it with Andy Reid. We've seen it with Chip Kelly. We've seen it with Doug Peterson. Uh, Andre says a side-by-side -side pick <laughs> looks like a bad Jeopardy question. Uh, <laughs> that, 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 that pick will live in infamy, Andre. It really will. It, it will. But there, there listen, I, I just want to explain everybody too. Let, let's just, Everybody relax because Carson Wentz is going to be good. Okay. So for all the people oh. out there that think, oh, dude sucks. He's going to go in. You know, he's going to be good. You're going to show, you, listen, you're going to put on NFL tonight and you're going to see Carson Wentz throwing for three touchdowns, 330 yards, jumping up and down, Colts winning, right? They got a good team. But you have to remember, it wasn't going to happen here, it, it, it ran its course. So you have to always remember that, like like Ben Simmons, right? Not to get back, but if you trade, oh look, he's going to. Go. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what they do after here. They weren't going to do it here. So everybody has to remember that. And I think if you remember that, then you can kind of temper your expectations. You know what I mean? Good advice, but we won't do that. <laughs> we all know we won't, but that's good advice, and we all know. What's destined to happen with Carson Wentz? I've seen the movie before. You know, it was starring Patrick Chung and Eric Rowe. I've seen that movie before. I know where it's going to go. I'm not saying he's going to go to Super Bowl, but he's going to have success. And it's going to upset a lot of people because he's got a coach that he was comfortable with. You know, and I, I honestly, I'm very curious to see if the guy stays healthy, what would have been possible if, um, you know, if he remained under Frank Reich? I guess we'll get some questions answered. Um, I mean, yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, we really want Carson to play more than 75% of the snaps because you get the draft pick. It is just business, but it might be a little bit more than that. It might be a little bit more than that for people because you got so many people that were divided about Wentz. Like they, the Carson Wentz defenders, there were so many of them. And I like to group those into the Ben Simmons defenders. Yes, you know, please the, do that. They're all the same people to me. They're the, they're the participation trophies. That's okay. You get the trophy. You get $100 million, but don't do your job. I don't know. Me, my generation doesn't come from that. My generation does the job. We get paid. And if we do really, really well, we get paid really, really well. 
you know, that's it. That's the way it is. But you know, there's, <laughs> there's obviously a difference of opinion and things have changed and that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm receptive to that, but I'll, I don't think in, in Philadelphia, regardless of your age or whatever generation you come from, I just don't think it's a city that accepts mediocrity, you know? And if you're, it's a city that wants an overachiever. They love, you know, the, uh, you know, they they love the, the the middle of the road guy that that just really overachieves and busts his butt. You know, they love the Aaron Rollins when they run in the walls and smash their face. Everybody, that's what that's what Philly is. It doesn't matter how many people come through the city; it's always the same thing. But laziness, acting like you don't care, you know, uh, Bobby Abreu style. Even though he produced, he just had that. I don't care. I'm gonna swing the bat. No, get up the bat. I don't care. <laughs> that's never gonna go over well here, man. And the thing is with Simmons and with some of these guys, you see them do this stuff in college and you just think I'm going to draft them and they're going to be on a professional team and they're going to, they're going to do something different. Never, never really understood that. I never really understood that. Andre says he'd love to see the stat where a number of pro players that leave Philly sports go on to win a chip within two to five years of leaving the home franchise. Uh, you know what? We got to look at that up because I'm sure it's uh, there. I'm sure there's a few. There's definitely a few, man. More this than a few. more more than I think we want to see, Andre. More probably because it's going to confirm what we all know anyway. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Listen, it, all I know is it's going to happen. It is what it is. Let's just worry about you know what we're doing here. And, and it's almost like when I talk to people about podcasting, I talk to people about live streaming, and I talk to people about you know networks, and everybody's like, oh, you know, these people doing this over here, and these people listen. Control what you can control, right? I tell people all the time, worry about what you're doing. Stop worrying about what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Stick to what you're doing. Master your domain, okay, and move forward. And don't worry about that because there's a lot of great content creators out there. Everybody's doing something different. It's all good. Who cares? Do your thing. It's all you got to worry about. But let me let me talk about this, Mike. As last week, um, it was kind of mid-show here, um, which is a good good segue. Uh, I got a couple of reads coming in a couple of weeks from a couple of sponsors. So I'll get them not tonight, but next couple episodes. But last week was talking about CBS. Um, and tonight I want to talk about ice and drinks. And it's a very vague topic. And I okay. I, I, I got a couple of quirky things here. And it's something that really fuels me a little bit. Okay. So I go to the Phillies game the other night. Now I, I get it. COVID, I get it, you know, no COVID. They don't want to, you know, the fountain drinks no more with the lids and the straws. Fine. I get all that. Not a problem. Do you get it? So what's that? You get that? Yeah. I, I, I don't I don't get I'm it. I'm not saying I what I'm saying is I'm not saying I just I get the mindset. I'm not saying I like it. I just know that that's the way the world's going with all these things, right? So it's not for me, for obvious reasons, I, I kind of expect it. My point is, you go up, and they don't have to change their price, which, whatever, you're at the ballpark, you, you got to expect it, right? But now I'm getting a 20-ounce soda that's been in the fridge. It's 125 degrees out, okay? The thing's hot in five minutes. So, like, what I'm asking for is, can't get a cup of ice? Like, if you don't want to do the fountain drinks, like, you can't have a cup of ice and say, okay, we're not pouring the fountain drinks, but how about you get a cup of ice with the bottle of soda? Is that so hard? Is that a problem? Like, I, like so, again, Mike, marketing. Like, I, I don't get the logic. It's, it, it's going to be friggin' piss warm in five minutes. So now I'm drinking a piss warm Coke that sucks ass. 
Okay, because you can't uh, give me a cup with ice in it. I don't get wor- it. What's worse than warm soda? Warm beer? Oh, warm beer is the worst. Who drinks a it's, warm soda? It's the worst. Psychopaths would do that. Right. Would, you know what I'm saying? A warm soda. No one does that. But let me ask you this. You said you get it. The disconnect for me is why does a fountain soda contribute to the transmission of COVID-19? Now, you explain that to me because that I don't understand. Go ahead. That, no. no yes, that's what the hell point. are you talking about? What the hell are we doing? No, you're right. You're right. I mean, all you're doing is putting the putting the thing under the machine, spitting out the soda, and you're put maybe because your hands touching a lid. Okay, so everybody has gloves on today, right? Right, everybody. Okay, so you know you go anywhere, they're wearing gloves, they're wearing masks, they're wearing. I mean, even when there's no COVID, before COVID, pre-pandemic, food servers wore gloves. Yes, you have gloves on. So now, so now, wearing gloves. And giving out a fountain soda can transmit increases the likelihood of transmitting COVID nineteen. Not the twenty million people that are in the stands all breathing and coughing shit all over each other. It's the fountain soda. Now, now I don't understand any of that. I know this See? is a serious thing. I don't take the pandemic lightly. Believe me, my family thinks I'm crazy because I take some serious precautions when it comes to this. But I draw the line. When it comes to morons and idiots making rules that don't help or benefit anyone. You know what that is? That's an excuse. They probably figured out that, um, you know, if we don't, uh, you know, if we don't give ice out, we'll make another $55,000 per game. And, uh, you know, you times that by uh, 80 home games and uh, we just put another $3 million on the bottom line. Trust me, man. Everybody uses COVID as an opportunity. I'm not saying that they did that or they didn't do it. But that rule doesn't make any sense. And the worst part about it is you and everybody else gets stuck with a warm soda. Oh, yes. Yes. But I, but here you go. Here's, here, here, here's one step further. And oh. you're going to like this because oh, I'm sure I, I, I need, I need some help here, Mike. This is what I, so have you ever gone to a Philadelphia Union game? Uh, years ago. Yeah. Yeah. To a few, okay. I've been to a few of them. Yep. So Union, listen. I love, not but love for the union. Love going to union games. Listen, I work for a station, Fox Sports, a gamble that covers the union exclusively. Love yeah. the union. Yeah, they're fun events. But here we go. Have you ever noticed they do with the sodas? Uh, no, but I'm, I'm okay. I'm very curious. I'm gonna take the cap off, and they don't give it to you. Oh, I think they do that at the. Uh, I think they do that at the Eagles games too. They stopped doing that for a while. Oh, they stopped. Okay. They don't give so, the caps out. So here's a question. Okay, because this is the this is the these the dumb shit that Jigsaw thinks about. Okay, mm-hmm. so okay. I finally asked the lady one th- the other day when I went to the union. I said, "Let me ask something." I'm like, "Why don't you give the caps out?" Because of um, we don't want them to act as a th- as, as a legal object or a throwing device. Okay, hold on for a second. You want to talk about dumb shit? Have you ever tried to throw a plastic bottle cap? No, the thing, like, well, like, not really. l- let me tell you something. If you could throw that 20 feet, man, I, I will bow down to your ass. That that thing weighs about an ounce. It's going nowhere. Who are you endangering with a plastic 20 ounce bottle cap? Like, are you reaching out for the 200 level to third base? Like, we're not talking about batteries like we threw a J.D. Drew. We're talking about a soda cap, Mike. Who the hell is throwing a soda cap 50 feet? Well, that, that's where I was going to go. I was going to I was going to reference the J.D. Drew incident right. because they stopped giving caps out years ago 
because they felt that, you know, the Philadelphia fans would just launch it onto the field, you know, and throw it at players and stuff like that. And let's just be honest. Let's be honest. Whatever, whatever the union is doing, they're probably just taking their cues off of how the link or, you know, how Citizens Bank follows suit because I'd imagine that the operations teams for these arenas, they all talk to each other. They probably even share some responsibilities, whatever. They probably just took the rules and they just put them over there. Okay, those soccer fans get a little rowdy. You know that that area, Sons of Ben or the Ben dudes? They oh, go yeah, Sons of Ben. They get a little crazy over there. And the soccer games overseas are deadly. I mean, that's 20 times worse than an Eagles or an NFL game. So yes. who knows if they're just trying to take precautions. And you know what? Let's go a step further. Maybe their insurance company said, if you remove any projectiles, we'll cut your rate because we have a better chance of maybe somebody slipping on one of those things or, you know, hitting a player or something like that. Okay. So who knows? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, maybe that's a little bit far-fetched, but I'm sure they're taking their cues off of whatever the link did. And they stopped doing that because let's be honest, dude, we're animals. We do that shit. We do. We yeah, invented but- it. We, we, we do that. If anything's going to come out of a bottle cap turned into some sort of a melee weapon, it'll be filled. A Philadelphia fan figures that out on how to do it. But what I'm saying is you can't throw them, Mike. Like, uh, honestly, they go like four feet. So, like, uh, we're not talking about a bottle. We're not, no, the, the hell with the cap. They're, they're going to throw the bottle before they throw the damn cap. And, and now what do you have again, Mike? Warm soda. Warm soda again. It all comes back to that. It all comes back, just like a Seinfeld episode, it all comes back to warm soda. It all comes back to warm soda. If the cap is on the soda, though, and it's 90 degrees, do you think it really prevents the soda from becoming warm, or you think it just cooks in the bottle? Uh, either way, I think you're screwed. doesn't matter. Some Philadelphia fan, I'm sure, found a MacGyver way to take that bottle cap and turn it into something. I'm sure of it. <laughs> MacGyver yeah, way. MacGyver. Come on, dude. MacGyver turned oh, a, like, took a, a pen reference. and turned it into a nuclear weapon. That's a great reference. I love it. But speaking, of, we're not going to talk about MacGyver here, but let, let, let's let's veer because listen, just so everybody know, we talked about this and and, and going forward, I, I love this segment because we're you know what goes better with sports than music, right? So we we, we me and Mike have a an infinite background when it comes to music, and we we love talking about it. I know John likes talking about it. We, we John CD shelf, right? Uh, you know, Coach Dave gets involved. I know all the Heat Ratio family love sports and music. So figure let's start adding that more into the to the mix. And one thing I want to say before we get into this is I just found out that for anybody saying that you know hip hop is dead, right? Do not know what they're talking about. I went and seen F9. And who's in there? Cardi B. Not saying I'm a big Cardi B fan, but that's a major motion picture. Major motion picture. And they have Cardi B in the movie. Hip-hop, right? Again. Mega Stallion. Again, swimsuit. First ever female rapper on a SI swimsuit edition. Right? So the, the hip-hop world is, is large, okay? It is definitely not dead. Now, I'm not just saying we're going to talk about hip-hop music on the show. We're going to talk about all types of music now what i do want to do mike is and i know we've talked about we, we're obviously thought big okay with the scott stork thing but what i do want to do is i have reached out to some independent artists whether they be rappers whether they be rockers whether they be country music stars about you know getting them on this show adding some some flavor to it maybe even giving us a, a quick free a free base performance maybe you know what's their favorite sports legends yeah, growing yeah, up what they yeah. like, right so we're going to add that into the show but for right now what i will say is 
today, July 20th, 1993, 28 years ago, Mike, Cypress Hill, Black Sunday is released. Now, the reason why I mentioned this is because, number one, like you said, this was you, you specifically said, what a great name for an album. Black Sunday, one of the best names for an album that I can ever think of, right? Um, but, again, it, it was their second studio album. Uh, but this album, again, uh, you know, the, the first one was obviously the self-titled. Uh, but I think one of probably, we I think we both agreed before their time, but one of the most underrated rap groups ever that nobody really speaks about. And I'll tell you what, man. I tell you what, if you want to hear guys flow in harmony, if if you want to hear a unique style, if you want to hear a distinct voice, you just have to listen to Be Real. I mean, the the, the guy was a, in my opinion, was a legend MC that nobody really talks about. But this album, Mike, I mean, I, I I could throw it on today, I could throw it on yesterday, I could throw it on tomorrow, and I could still hit every single song. Man, it was great. Yeah, when you told me about that, I'm like, damn, um, we're getting old, number one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> number two, I also mentioned that I didn't really bite into Cypress Hill probably the way that I should have. They had that first album that I was talking to you about. That was the one that uh, how how one, how I could just kill a man. Here was um, something, yep. That to me was one of the most iconic songs ever in hip hop, and still is. I mean, when you hear that beat come on, I mean, you know right away what that is. You'll it's, killer I mean, beat, man. it's just a killer beat, and just everything, their entire flow uh, was great. You know, and it's a it's a West Coast group, West Coast hip hop group. That normally, when you hear West Coast, you immediately think Dre, you think Snoop, you think N.W.A. That's where you go, you know, Ice Cube. That's just where you go. And you just kind of forget that Cypress Hill is a West Coast hip hop group, but they did a lot of stuff, man. I mean, there were, you know, I mean, back then in '93, I guess that was around. That was way before. When was Intergalactic Beastie Boys? Is that early 2000s? No, that was. I, I think was that, that late was 90s. late '90s. Yeah, late yeah, that '90s. Was late '90s. But remember now, the you know, Insane in the Brain. They did a lot of stuff, man. That they really pulled in rock music into a lot of their a lot of the a lot of their reps. You know, like that one song, Rockstar, and I don't know when that actually came out because that was in the Training Day soundtrack. You remember that? Remember yes, that? Yes, it was. It, yeah. Yes, it was. You remember the, the part day. when uh, they're walking up to the house when he's getting getting ready to get got and they have that killer beat and like all the gang members are there and they're looking at Ethan Hawke and that 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 beat was great. Mm -hmm. I felt like that song really didn't go too far. And I and I, you know, again, I didn't even realize that that was Cypress Hill until years later when I was trying to find out what song that was. But um, I just feel like they were early. You know, we talked about this earlier. They did a lot of stuff, and I just think that they were early. They were before their time. I think today they would be a hell of a lot bigger than what they were, and they should have been bigger. They were just, you know, they were just early to the game. That well, you know, what's funny is that you know how much they would kill it right now because number one, oh yeah, you know, what's that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, right. Well, it would be well, better for them now if they were. Oh if yeah, they were, yeah. Right. Absolutely. I want. And one of the biggest things was the, the legalization of marijuana right that's what they were always campaigning for anyway now it's legalized in most states so it, it, it's it's crazy and again first latino hip-hop you know rap group 
on you know of their time, right? So uh, that was actually ninety two, Mike. The, the debut album was was early ninety two. How I could just kill a man. I mean, hand on a pump. So I mean, come on, man. That that album was unbelievable. That was actually how I could just kill a man. Remember that was in the Juice soundtrack as well. Absolutely, that's probably that how we first heard movie. Them. Yeah, we can go on about that movie forever oh, w- w- without a doubt. But it it, it just there there there's so many groups. So uh, look, look at look at Trevor is coming up. Yeah, Trevor must be just like the album dropped. That album dropped in two thousand. I, I guess he's talking about the uh, intergalactic with, with Beastie yeah. Boys, Skull and Bones. Two thousand. What's what Skull and Bones? No, what he's talking. He's talking about the Rockstar. So the Rockstar. Rockstar. Track. Okay. Yeah, because it was on Training Day, and Training Day was two thousand and one. So he's right. He's right. So now, now Rick, now Rick, check it in. Three months from from then. Versus was released Pearl Jam, right? Which uh, I, I know it's that uh, that's got to be a Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam, I'll tell you what, Eddie Vedder, all day long, man. I, I I'm not just a hip hop dude. I love Pearl Jam. I do. What was what was bigger than that album? That was one of the that was one of the most iconic albums of all time. Oh, e- easily, easily. That was the beginning of a whole new genre of of, of um, and it basically brought rock music back into the fold. Yep. everything was hip-hop then and really like what new rock was released during that time i mean it was sort of like taking a back burner and it was just the classic rock and some of the grunge that was out but that defined the whole generation uh, it, 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 it did and it's it, it, it's what we speak about all the time in the 90s where then i seen somebody today uh one of uh one of my followers we follow each other on twitter uh was talking about r&b he had, you know, he was like, "Hey, R and B in the '90s, nothing better. I, I, everything in the '90s, nothing better, man. I mean, honestly, like the '90s, Michael, like you said, you know, every single genre of music was kind of either reborn or born per se in the '90s. It's crazy when you think about it." I heard Quentin Tarantino's interview on Joe Rogan. Quentin Tarantino, obviously, he's a Gen Xer, and he had said the '90s were the '70s relived again. All the stuff that came out of the nineties. Really? It was, like, it was like the 70s. Now I don't know. We can't really relate to that, but think about the music and everything that happened during the 70s. Some of the some great music was released in the 70s. The music that I only recently discovered because I had my head buried in hip hop since the beginning of breakdance. And so I missed out on a lot of that stuff. And some stuff I completely ignored. Like I went through the 80s without really, really knowing some of the some of the bands that I listen to quite frequently now, or at least the songs. So I feel like I discovered a whole new age of music in the 70s and 80s. But yeah, that's what Tarantino said. He said that the 90s had so much, and not just from movies, just from all over pop culture. I mean, not, not just from music, but movies and, and all kind of pop culture. So the 90s will still be and always, always be the greatest generation for hip-hop music because it was today, all the hip-hop sounds the same. There's no, and I'm not knocking it, but it's just all the same. It's all the same music, right? It's like country. It's the same. Every track, country music is the same. I don't even get started on that. I can't stand that crap. But anyway, um, when in the 90s, it was different. You had Cypress Hill. Then you had Black Moon. And you had Lords of the Underground. Then you had Snoop. And then you had Dre. And then you had Biggie. And then you had Wu-Tang. It was all over the place. It was all different styles. It was everywhere. you know. But I feel like today, it sounds all the same. It's crazy because, you know, we talk about 
for us, it's second nature, right? We we just talked about the self debut, uh, you know, self proclaimed uh, album, like Brazil, with How I Could Just Kill a Man, released in '91. Yeah, it only reached number thirty-one in the U.S. top chart. Why do you now, think Black, that? I, I, I again, I think Mike, it was before its time. Think about who was big then. You said '92, right? Yes. So what dropped in '92? The, oh, chronic. the chronic the chronic right exactly so the what was bigger than the chronic nothing the chronic was everything it was this whole other style that nobody had ever heard of it was the g it was the beginning of the g-funk era yeah man and and Trevor West says, Coast, so you know i'd be curious to see if it was the same label what where it was uh was cypress on interscope i don't you know what that's a good idea i, I don't know if they were on interscope because if they were they're were probably busy promoting the chronic and left none of the market they didn't give them any of the marketing yeah. dollars to promote <laughs> yeah. to promote black I, sunday yeah, you're you could be right. I, I gotta look that up. I'm not sure if they what what uh what what they were under, but here here oh tra look at Trevor say, saying he was uh doing a deep dive in the eighties and nineties when he drove down to Florida. And you talk about what he listening to Bangles, Trevor? Little bangles. What, what, what was the deep the bangle? Did he say the bangle? He didn't say the bangles, did he? He says a deep dive in the day, you listen to a little cheap trick, little <laughs> What are right, we talking little, about, Trevor? What kind of deep dive? Yeah, we gotta hear about some tracks up there, bro. man. What, what 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 did you do? Rick says best ever, best music ever made was from now. See again, I I, I don't know nothing about sixty eight to seventy six. So because obviously I wasn't born yet, but eighty eight to ninety six, those two to eight. Uh, okay, you don't go back there. You don't go back to Pink Floyd. You don't. No, do that? I'm not a no. I'm not a Pink Floyd guy. Some great stuff no, back there. I don't know much about that genre of music, but I can tell you that when something comes on during that period, my wife probably knows 90% of those songs. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah look, we used, look, to, used to play this game where we would just Which turn one? on the radio and she would just name this. She would just start singing this. So it didn't matter what song it was, any genre except country. So Trick, yeah. da Trick, Daddy, was, Trick Daddy was the 90s, right? I never listened to him at all. Oh baby, I'm a thug because I'm yeah, a thug. I didn't, I didn't get into that. NWA. NWA, of course. Uncle Luke. Yeah, for sure. Two live crew. <laughs> well, if he's driving to Florida, you have to put on Uncle Luke. You have to. Some tool. Okay. Wow. Uh kid now, now see I can get down with some kid rock. That's one thing I can do. I can sound I can get down with some kid rock. Don't know much about him. Yeah, I can get down with some kid rock. I I, I can I can bang. I was banging out a little Sebastian Bach the other day, killing some skid row. Remember the wow. Skid Row? Yeah, check that out. Believe it or not, not it's not something that I never, I never got into. No, none of that. Yeah, stuff. I was, I, I go all over, man. I, That's I go definitely all over. all over. I mean, I went into the like, you know, the flock of seagulls and Devo, and I went down that route. Some yeah. of that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, I, I mean, it's funny because music is kind of like it's not always what you're brought up on. It's 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 what you gravitate towards too. So I was brought up on Motown, and I still love Motown. Like Motown's my thing. I can listen to Smokey and the Commodores all day long, but at the same time, I gravitated obviously because we're, we're from the same kind of you know inner city era that we we grew up with with hip hop. I mean that's that's what we did. I mean we gravitated towards the hip hop. It was you were one of two things. There was no like you know. There wasn't like, oh, he's a country guy. No, it was you were rap or you were rock. And that was it. That was it. It was That's a very absolute had. equation. There was no middle ground there. You know, and if you were rock, you were like Ozzy Osbourne. You were Black yes. Sabbath. That's where you, like were. Hardcore. you were. Over, yeah, hardcore. You were over there. And on the other side, 
you know, maybe you were run DMC, you know, maybe, I mean, think about that. I mean, you're talking about 85, 86, you know, 87 run DMC. I mean, that it was all run DMC then because you remember in from like 82 to 85, it was like that really weird type of electro stuff. It was like, you know, it was Curtis Blow and it was like uh, Egyptian Lover and it was the breakdance and it was breaking. It was like at the beginning of hip hop. And then it started with Boogie Down Productions with South Bronx. And then that whole stuff started. Then the Statasonic started and then it all went to, you know, Cool C. And then you had the, the um, Steady B. You had the Hilltop Hustlers from Philly. And it, it had like all these crazy phases. You know, but it all it all started it all started with uh, the breaking movie was the biggest thing that would that's what blew the top off of everything because before breaking it was Planet Rock, Planet Rock, and and, and again I will say this before we get out of here for anybody who I highly recommend hit, uh, there's a, a hip hop documentary Hip Hop Evolution on Netflix four part series you have to watch it really and what it does is yeah it's great it breaks down where hip hop resonated from whether it be east coast west coast it's got everything and it, it, i mean it takes you interviews like deep down in history that's man that's you gotta check it out you gotta check it out but listen man as always we're gonna get out of here because i forgot that we got a great golf show coming up you know off the t bets coming up with my man chris exusion at 9 30 he's probably like yo what the hell's going on get off <laughs> the youtube page man i'm ready to get people paid and get people money, man. But listen, as always, so glad to be back and to be just talking on a local level, national level, talking music, just spitballing back and forth. Comments, as always, much appreciated. Get back to a little old school kind of vibe to where, listen, you can have the best graphics in the world, but if your content is not good and you don't have good conversation and all it is is just pictures, that's it. So I'm going to get back to that. I'm going to do a little more podcasting that, that, than what we're used to. may not be live all the time, but there'll be a lot of different stuff. But as always, man, for me, Mikey Googs. Maybe we get Coach Dave back next week. Maybe. Okay. Oh, wait. Cheap plug for my boy Trevor. Check out this week's Upper Bowl podcast. Absolutely. Uh, handed out awards last week. Trevor, so check that out for everybody listening. Upper check Bowl podcast, man. Check it out. Trevor's a man. Great, great, great part of the Heat Ratio family. But as always, if you're not subscribing, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow all social platforms and we're still got i still got two prize packs to give away two yingling prize packs to give away okay we're up to 336 subscribers let's get to 500 so we can give out more of them but as always tony jigsaw Cotillo, mikey googs heat ratio sports everybody stay safe stay healthy and we'll catch you next week